as I have uh, grown in the Lord, I, you know, there's stages of life that you go through. You have been young and then middle age and then, you know, whatever that 50, 60 year old is. I'm not sure what they are, but when you become older and you turn a corner, things change. But each, each stage of life, God teaches me something through it. He's taught me in my 20s, taught me in my 30s, taught me in my 40s about life, about what his purpose is for you. And it's a beautiful thing to follow on with God. One of my favorite books is the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, I just really love Daniel. Daniel was a man really after God's own heart. I've tried to study people in the Bible that were people after God's own heart. And I've specifically prayed for many years that somehow, in some way, I could have some of that, uh, that I could be a person after God's heart, that I could please him by my activities, by my thought life, and by my service life. And I believe God answers prayer, don't you? You receive not simply, oftentimes, just because you don't ask. I think sometimes we make the mistakes over the simplest areas, the simplest areas. We just don't ask. And so I began to, years ago, began to just ask real simple stuff. Like, Lord, you said that if I ask wisdom, you'll not upbraid me, so I want wisdom. You said if I ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll give it to me. And you, I'm asking for a heart like David, courage like Elijah, faith like Abraham, and just go down the list of uh, boldness like a Paul, willing to, willingness to suffer like a Stephen and be truthful, you know. Um, and I believe God will give it to you in some measure. You're not going to be in maybe another Stephen or another Peter or another... Paul or another Elijah, but you're going to have something. God will answer that prayer. Give it to you. If you're not, I know one thing's for sure. If you're not asking for it, you're definitely probably not going to get it. But if you ask for it, you're likely to get it and probably will indeed get it from God. You can have it. I think one of the biggest griefs we may have in heaven is that we didn't ask more from God. He had all these things available for us and we didn't ask for them. Now, I'm not talking about you know, things, thrills, and theories. I'm talking about deep things, spiritual things, eternal things. Give me those. I want them. Give them to me. Let me have them. And God will do it. He loves you. wants you to have them. The last verse of the book of Daniel Take your Bibles, if would, book of Daniel. <clears throat> the last verse of the book of Daniel. Some of the most interesting, intriguing parts of the Bible are found in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 27, I believe it is. Talks about the 70 weeks that God determined upon Israel. 70 weeks of years. Each week represented years. 490 total. And God 
gave a prophecy to him. And that one week of those 70 weeks have not been fulfilled. It's the 70th week of Daniel. Not been fulfilled. It was always to Israel. It was never to the church. It was always to Israel. Contextually, it has to be to Israel. There was no church. And so he was talking to Israel. It was about Israel. It was about their Messiah. And that 70th week's not been fulfilled, but it's coming. People are asking me lately because of what's happened politically and everything, how close are we? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty close. I'm getting closer every day, man. But you may be much closer than I am. You may, you may, uh, you may drive out there tonight, and some ninety-year-old that shouldn't be on the road will whack you, um, or a twenty-year-old is drunk, like I hit my wife. Twenty-year-old kid, nineteen-year-old kid hit my wife broadside, going sixty miles an hour. Had it not been in the sovereignty of God, hitting behind her seat about one foot, she would have been dead. And God saved her. Hit her so hard that the seatbelt bruised her black and blue right across the chest. Blacked her eye. I couldn't be. I couldn't take her out anywhere because you know what they thought. Black-eyed woman. You do not want to go anywhere with a black-eyed woman. I'm not talking about the color of your eyes either. <laughs> My wife had surgery on her mouth early on when she was probably 19, 20 years old. They took a tumor out from behind under her nose, I think it was. And to do that, they blacked both of her eyes. And her eyes swelled up evil. Her face swelled up even with her nose. And I said, whatever happens, you cannot go out in public. I'm 19 years old, 20 years old. They figured this. I'm tried, convicted, and sentenced before I ever get to talk to them. When are you going to quit beating your wife? How do you answer that question? Well, I don't beat her. But she got hurt. She got hurt, but not badly. The, the officer that was there was surprised how she got away with it. Woke up and was not damaged, had nothing real major wrong. God's taking care of you. Your days are numbered. Your clicker's going every day. Can you hear it go click? That's another day. Now, you say, well, I got a lot of time. Do you really? Do you really? I went to school with a 21-year-old with three kids, had leukemia, and Bob Jones, he died. And that semester, he died. Now, he prayed in faith, asked God to save him, was anointed everything. But God said, you know what God's answer? God answered. No, you're going to die. He used to show me the picture of his three little kids and say, they're never going to know their daddy. I said, no, they won't. That's just God's will. For some live, some die. I don't know. I, I, and I'll be the last guy to, to point a, a skinny little finger at God and accuse him he didn't do right. Life's a gift from the beginning, and a gift is a gift is a gift. Amen? And so the guy was saved, and he's been in heaven now for a long time, and it's been a good thing. And so I want to talk to you about this verse here. It hit me as I meditated lately, especially in this book of Daniel. Chapter, verse, chapter 12, verse 13. He tells Daniel, after all of what Daniel went through and after all of the being saved, you know, uh, the lion's den and all that, being faithful to God under all kinds of pressure, 
The angel says to Darren, says, but go thou thy way till the end be. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. It was clear to Daniel that there were a lot of time before the end of the world. There was a lot of, it made it clear to Daniel that there, there was a lot of time from where Daniel was to the end of things, that there was a big amount of time. With us, I don't think I know any preacher that feels like there's a whole lot of time between the rapture of the church and now. Uh, there may be 100 years from now, maybe 50 years, maybe 100, but I don't think it's a whole lot. I don't think anybody I know believes it's much more than that. We're not date setters. We don't set times. There could be a revival to set the whole thing back, clock it back. And that would be great, by the way. Amen. God wants to save people. And so but we see that. And so what I'm concentrating on tonight is that those words, for thou shalt rest. I, got, I asked a question, what is rest for the people of God. I've read the word rest. You, you sometimes read words and they're just, you know, they don't, they lost their meaning to you. What is that word rest? What is rest for the people of God? Are you tired? I mean, internally tired, dear Christian. I know many are from the way they talk to me. You know, the life that we live is referred to our labor. Psalm 90, verse 10 says, The days of our years be threescore years, and ten, that's seventy. And if they by reason of strength, they should be fourscore, that's eighty. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You're going to fly. You're getting ready to fly. You're going to fly. Oh, death, where is I sting? Oh, grave, where is I? Victory. With a Christian, there's no victory in death. We get to fly. I've dove many, many hours under the water, and sometimes you go off a cliff under the water, and it's, let's say, straight down. I went off where it was, the Cayman Islands. It's an island. Uh, it's a volcano, the little ring of the Cayman Islands, the top of the volcano. And off the edge, it goes, I think, down to 6,000 feet. I, I think that's right, 6,000, or a mile. And so when we dove, uh, we went down to 110 feet, and at 110 feet, there's a vertical cliff that goes into blackness. And so we, the beautiful thing about diving is you, you fly. And so you kick it, and you just kind of fly over that edge. It'd be like flying over this edge and staying up. It's a beautiful experience. I got thinking, someday I'm going to get to fly. I'll fly away, oh, Lord. I'll fly away. So were you. You get to fly. And so the Bible promises a lot of good things, doesn't it? And it's great to remember and to memorize the promises of the Bible. But remember all the promises. Some of those promises promise you a tough life, or at least it's not going to be easy. Um, it says that, Life, well, I think it's Job, or it says, uh, it says a lot of good things in Job. It says, uh, it says our life's going <laughs> to, feel, I feel like Thomas Sweat right now. <laughs> Where are you at, Thomas? 
I love you, brother. Please forgive me for that. But it won't be the first time we're running around. It's going to be, this life's going to be tough even for the rich and the famous and the powerful. The three major areas people want, seem to want to seek after. You want to be rich, famous, and powerful. The more you have, the more you got to be concerned about it. When I didn't own any tools, I never worried about them. Now you got tools, you got to be concerned about them. Amen? You got to look out for them or your kids will take them. But uh, you spend time managing your stuff. The more stuff you get, the more management it takes. You spend time watching it or protecting it, insuring it, uh, placing it in, in secure places or, you know, and all the stuff, burglar alarms. And uh, I've lived in some places that are so bad, you didn't have to lock the door. Nobody was coming in. If they came in, they feel sorry for it, leave money on the table. The famous, you want to be famous. The famous, I, I, I think you've looked around in Hollywood long enough to know the famous have no peace. They got no peace. They're never secure in their fame, by the way. Fame is a passing cloud. And they may lose it tomorrow. Or it may, it may rob them at, at the least of their privacy. I, I've been a student of Elvis Presley. I went to his house in Graceland, Turdy's house. Since he died, they haven't touched it. And went through his award. He had to, he won so many awards, he had to build a warehouse just to hold the awards. And I looked at all that, you know, and I felt bad for him. My heart went out for him. I felt bad for him. You say he felt bad for Elvis Presley? I did. He was so hounded, he couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't go out. You want to go somewhere? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They're me? They nobody cares. Who are you? Get out of here. But Elvis shows up. Woo! He couldn't go anywhere. He would, he would sleep all day, and at night he would go out because he'd take his entourage with him that he had to pay him, by the way, to be his entourage. He paid these guys 60 grand a year to stay with him and protect him, be his friends. And so... He'd go out at night to a movie theater. He'd rent the whole theater so he could go watch a movie because he couldn't go to a movie uh, as Elvis Presley. He had no peace. No peace. Uh, it's his Bible, by the way. About the powerful. The powerful must be on guard for the next person under them that wants their job and wants their power. There's a constant movement in power also. Power never stays long in one spot. It moves from person to person, place to place. The betrayal of close friends is often experienced in people that are powerful. The heavy burden of trying to keep it. There's no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. There is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21. Psalm 32, 10 says, Many sorrows be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. I like that. Mercy shall compass you about if you want to do God's will and serve him. But boy, to the wicked, sorrow after sorrow with no hope. I looked up the definition of labor, by the way, that where it said in Psalm 90 there, your life will be labor and sorrow. I looked up the word labor. I mean, Here's the connotative meanings of that word. It means it's a great word. To, it's a right word to be used to translate. You can trust it, labor. 
It means toil. These are connotative meanings. Wearing effort. It means worry. In some cases, it means grievance. In some cases, labor can mean miser being miserable. In some cases, labor can just simply mean being in pain. In some cases, it means uh, travail, trouble, wearisomeness, wickedness. I think that's enough. That's why Jesus calls the world to him like this in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. It says, come unto me, all ye that what? Labor. That's that word. Labor. And are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke's easy. The Christian life is an easy life. It is a light life compared to the wicked. The wicked get where they can't sleep after a while. Michael Jackson, how many do I have to name? They can't sleep. They take drugs to stay awake, drugs to sleep, drugs to stay awake, drugs to sleep, drugs to stay awake, drugs to sleep. When Elvis died, I think he had nine different uh, drugs in his system. That's not unusual for them. Why would anybody do that? They're tormented. Why would Robin Williams hang himself? What in the world? He was a man who made people laugh. He was the life of the party. Nanu Nanu. He hung himself. We had a lawyer, local lawyer here, who was a multimillionaire and very successful. I won't mention his name because you may know you may know him. And uh, I knew him some. I had talked to him. I had I had gone scuba diving with him a couple times, and he was uh, he was pretty famous locally. He was pretty powerful. Hung himself in his garage because he lost a few million dollars on a real estate deal. Hung himself in his garage. I guess when your God dies, you got nowhere else to go. If money's your God and you lose it. You lost everything. And so never make money your God. It'll disappoint you, and it, it'll hurt you. And so I've said all this, introduced to you the definition of the word rest. Because in the world, you shall have tribulation. Jesus' words, John 16, 33, Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. What does rest mean for Daniel and the believer? By the way, this message is only for God's people and the people of God tonight. I'm speaking to you, born-again believers. Life after death for the unbeliever, the unforgiven sinner, is anything but rest. If you look at, and I won't take the time, Revelation 14, uh, the Bible says those people that are cast into that place have no rest day or night. Luke chapter 16 Jesus, by the way, words all that whole thing there. And he says, uh, the rich man says, I'm tormented in this flame. Have you ever been tormented? How many in here tonight have been tormented? Raise your hand. Come on now. Tormented. You know what tormenting is? It's a long process. I had the gout. 
gout will torment you. It don't, when you get gout, it's a good 10-day deal. It's a 10-day ordeal. I mean, if you don't take a bunch of drugs, it's a 10-day ordeal. So I'd get the gout coming on me, and I'd think, oh, not another 10 days. And I'd go on for 10 days, and it, it kind of, at the end of 10 days, as, as my gout got worse, they would start hooking together. At the end of one, I'd get a new tech, and I'd have another 10 days, and another 10 days. It torments your soul. Pretty soon you get weary of that, amen? How many in here had gout? Come on now. Confess it up. Break the hip. But gout will torment your soul. Hives, itching. I never knew itching could torment your soul. I never knew it, Doc. I never knew itching was bad. I thought itching was great because you can scratch an itch, man. It's great. Nothing feels better than scratching an itch. I mean, you get that deep itch, that old hive will come up on your ankle, and you, why, you'd pay people money to feel that good. You put your fingers in that thing and just dig it. That is like, wow, that's good. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, the doctor, first thing the doctor tells you, do not itch that, party pooper. What he's saying, if you itch it, it re-excites it, and the histamines will go back down there and swell it up, and it'll be double the size, and it's twice as bad, and you itch it some more, it's twice as bad again. Pretty soon that itching, you can't sleep. You're dead tired. Your body's tired. You ever been dead tired? Just where you're dead tired, you just lay down, but you lay down, you can't. You got something tormenting you. You got that itching. I used to have puritis real bad in my arms, uh, and and you just itch and you just want to rip the skin off. I used to have my wife wrap my arms in that elastic bandage real tight to try to ease the itch. It did work some. When they turned black, I told her, take it off. Why did God let me? I've asked God, why have you let me go through some of this? And the whisper comes so that you know a little bit about the rich young the, 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 Laz, the rich man and Lazarus. And so I began to think, hmm. So when I get into one of them things again, which I hope I don't ever again, but it probably will. But if I get into one of those things of torment, I think my prayer is, Lord God, I'm tormented in this flame. Take me out of it. What that does is give me compassion for people that are in the flame, the flame. You can't get away from it. It could be itching. It could be whatever. In some cases, it's a marriage. It's a wayward child, a wayward husband, a wayward wife, which torments the mind day and night. And people suffer. And, oh, you ought to be there to hear the crying. I have heard weeping, folks, weeping. And weeping of people that would just do anything to change their circumstance, and they cannot. So, The unsaved, the unbeliever, that's what they got to look forward to for eternity. No doctor to help them. No prednisone. Nothing. Just more of the same. I don't know about you, but hell is one thing I've meditated about. And that's what helped me get saved. I got saved in the teaching of hell. How many here tonight got saved for some, in some about way because you were taught about hell? Yeah. It's usually over half. It is. I had, a, I had a Sunday school teacher teach about hell 
so vividly, so straightforwardly that I went home and told my mom and dad, I, I need to get saved. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. You say, that's a bad reason. No bad reason to miss hell. I got saved, man. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I just seemed to save me. I don't think there's a thing wrong. In fact, I think more preaching on hell is probably going to be a better. The old timers, the group that I grew up with, man, that, they, they had two subjects they talked about, heaven and hell. Smoking, drinking. Cussing, acting ugly. Long hair on, on men and short hair on women. I mean, there was a few pants and a couple other. There weren't too many subjects. The rest of God's people, however, is defined by the Bible. Let me give you a real quick definition. The unsaved we're not talking to tonight. We're talking to the child of God. First rest, according to the book, is a cessation of labor. I do not mean a cessation of work. I mean a cessation, a cessation of labor in work. You all know Murphy's Law, right? There is a force in this world that when you drop a peanut butter sandwich, it always will land on its face. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong at the worst possible time. Brother Morris, microphone, Murphy's Law. Brother Morris was in construction. He knows exactly, he is a friend of Murphy's Law. Tool will break when you need it. You know, um, Murphy's Law is against you. You're trying to make something perfect in an imperfect world with imperfect materials. It's a challenge. There is a law God has made. And so it causes, it causes there to be labor in our work. But we struggle against this negative force with pushes on us constantly to fail. But we push against it and we succeed. When you're painting this auditorium, you want to spill it. You want to miss parts. You want to, you want to, you know, there's so many things that fight against you just painting this auditorium. But we beat against it, and we beat against it, and eventually we make it where we like it and where it's right, but not after you struggle against Murphy. Oh, yeah. They laid this carpet. They laid this carpet. They had two sections done, and I came in, and I said, oh, man. They don't match. It's made out of the same machine, same day, but the, the, the dye pattern was different on the one end of the roll from the other end of the roll. And I said to the guy, you know, we're probably going to have to rip it all up. Do it. Oh, man, that'll take another five weeks. We had cement, you know. I said, okay, lay it. We'll see how it works. They laid it all. It's gotten better, by the way, or my eyes have gotten worse. I don't know, but people ask me, Preacher, why is there a seam right along the wall there? There's not a seam. That's just the way, it, that's just a flaw in the carpet. That's a flaw in the carpet. That's what that is. That's what we got it cheap. So when we get to go to heaven, we get to work. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work. I want to work. Oh, the definition of hell would be on, a, be on a cloud with a harp. After the first couple years of that, what do you think? You'd be squealing like a child. Please save me from listening to this harp. I can't stand it. I'm bored out of my mind. 
You're not going to be bored in heaven. Ah, you're going to have projects to do, places to go, people to see, things to build. you got a universe that God has made he's going to put us on. Ooh, I'm excited about that. So we're going to have, what is peace? It's a cessation of the labor, but not the work. Uh, Adam and Eve were told to go, uh, Eve, Adam, somebody, in the, somebody in the beginning was told to work before the fall. They were also told to be fruitful, multiply before the fall. We're not going to do that, however. That will not happen next time. God is going to take the pain, toil, agony, suffering threat out of the work. Well, that would be great. Second thing he's going to do, we're going to have projects. Like I said, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Are you a servant of God? You get to serve him. You get to do stuff for him, go places for him, represent him. Woo! How much you get to do that is by how faithful you've been here. That's what that amounts to. He's weeding out the unfaithful, and he's recognizing the faithful. Listen, it's not a real test unless you can fail. And in this world, you can fail being a Christian. You can fail of the grace of God. You can stumble. You can... Be led away with the error of the wicked, or they wouldn't warn you not to be led away with the error of the wicked, unless you fall from your own steadfastness. So the fact is that you can fail sets up a real test as a born-again Christian. So you got a test. The world's against you. The Murphy Law's against you. The devil's against you. The flesh's against you. The world's against you. How are you going to do? Well, you got all the tools you need to succeed. God gave you the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God the preaching of the Bible, the local church. you got everything you need to succeed. If somehow or another you mess that up, you ignore the local church, you get offended by somebody and don't come back or whatever, or, and, you, and you don't believe the book is the word of God and somehow you mess up, you're still going to heaven, but you're not going to get the responsibility that you would have had. You say, I don't want responsibility. You will when you take sin out of it. I never had more fun in my life than when I worked. Works way better than play. I mean, pulling them grouper ups work, buddy. I'm feeding the world. Feeding the world. That's right. I was catching them lobster. We're feeding rich people. Poor people got to eat. Rich people got to eat. So we get service with joy. His service is serving. We get service with joy. We get peaceful service, productive service, encouraging service, accomplishing service. Wow. Thirdly, much of the labor of this life is not definable or, and it is ignored as much as possible. What do I mean by that? Well, some of the labor in this life is the constant pressure that you're under of uncertainty. What's going to happen with our government? What's going to happen this next four years? What's going to happen with the... It's uncertainty, pressure. Uncertainty has a certain amount of discomfort, pressure. I don't know about you, but I've stayed up a few nights because O'Biden's our president. Hello? 
I said, oh, God, don't judge us with these people. I prayed many times, let not our enemies triumph over us. How about the constant pressure of the old nature to sin? Now, I know you, you uh, sanctimonious-looking people out there probably have very little to no pressure to sin like I do. But I don't know about you, I get pressure to sin. Pressure! Once in a while I walk by and smell a swish or sweet. And I want to get one and smoke it. Somehow I don't think you'd like that. I think God wouldn't like it either. Sometimes I get a pressure to swear. You guys swear once in a while? Oh, that you, nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to admit that. Chris, you swear once in a while? <laughs> Thomas, where are you, man, man? Thomas, you ever swear? I don't have a word what they said, but it must have been good. Were they in denial or what? I was raised on a long line of swears. People say, what's your inheritance? Is it royal? Oh, yeah. Swearing. Iniquity in the family. On my mom's side, my dad's side did not have that problem. And I know it's, it's tough for you to believe that a woman can swear, but I have heard it. A woman can swear as bad as a sailor. They can teach sailor new words. I've been around interior decorators that swore worse than any man I ever was around in my life. But where there's pressure to swear, I don't want to swear. I don't like swearing. It's wrong. I'm against it. But I'm under the pressure. I'm under, there's this constant giving my life to the Spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the failure cycle as we walk this side is discouraging and fatiguing. It's discouraging. A 69-year-old man, in the Word of God, for the last 40 years solid, struggles with this stuff still. I want to be free. But it's not time yet. And so it's wearisome. What will the rest, what does this rest mean? That's where I'm going. What does this rest mean that he talked to Daniel about? The labor will be taken out of our work. Woohoo! The pressure, these unseen pressures will be gone. The pressure to fail. The pressure to succeed in this life. How about the pressure of the failure of the body itself? All that stuff will be gone. Watching other loved ones struggle. This could be even worse than having your own struggle. Watching your loved ones struggle, fail, get up, fall. It's fatiguing. Makes you tired, weary. That's where I'm going on this, by the way. You don't need rest unless you're weary. You with me on that? If you all are in good shape, you don't need rest. I don't know what I'm talking about. But the fact is that you're like I am, and I'm like you are. And we struggle with these things day by day. The tribulation and trouble that we have, as Jesus said in John 16, as Job said in 14, 1, where it says, man that is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That was it. 
Ecclesiastes 5 says, 15, he came forth, and he came forth of his mother's womb. Naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. Elvis Presley took nothing of the $750 million he had in the bank. Nothing. And what, what, is it, what does Solomon say about that? He said, and this is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit hath he that labored for, for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath in his sickness. Doom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom and doom and despair and agony on me. That song's not far from describing the life that we are in. I know there's good times, there's happy times, there's moments of rest, but generally speaking, people are struggling. Why do you think there's drug addiction? Why do you think there's so much alcohol consumption? It's painkiller. It's painkiller. That's all it is. I drink to, to give me a few moments where I don't think about it. I do drugs to give me a few moments I don't think about it. Sexual addiction. I want, I want pleasure. So the pleasure overcomes the pain. The moment of pleasure, you can't be thinking about the pain. So that's just a few moments of the pleasure overcoming the pain. That's what that's about. Yeah. The last thing I notice about rest is the very vanity of, of, of it all is fatiguing. The fact that you don't get to take anything with you. That you come in naked, go out naked. But the believer is promised rest after this life. Do you, do you, you understand that was kind of a casual statement there? And it seemed like a casual statement in Daniel chapter 12, verse 13. And, and go to your rest. Just a, and you're going to rest. Oh, that was big. That was big, man. That was huge. We get rest. One minute in heaven. You won't even believe it. How good it's going to be. All these things I've mentioned and more that I've not, not mentioned will be gone. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The only thing you're going to be upset with is you're clinging to life so hard. But you're going to have that rest for the people of God. My mother in her Bible, my mother got saved October 1953. I looked at her Bible. I've been going through her Bible a little bit. And it said in the front cover, and she's written all over her book. And she said, October 1953, saved Harold Vaughn, came over to the house, led him to Christ. And she has this little poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Written in 1953 in her own hand. And I sat there and said, Mom, it was true then, and it's true today. I hope you get the, I hope you get it. I hope you don't let the, the deception of this world, the glitter, the flash, 
the thrill somehow cause you to miss the rest of God that's coming for those who love Him. Father, help us as we meditate a little on what rest is. Father, we pray that you would, we, as we trust you, and we really do trust you as we go down the road, that we would just trust you, uh, whatever trouble may come and however it is in the middle of it. And bigger than all that, we thank you. We thank you for the school of pain that we get to go through, the school of growth, that you've not left us alone. You like to teach us what it means to be spiritual, what it means to walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Father, forgive me. I failed so many times. The Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just. Forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I failed before. I failed. I'm not the Christian I should be before Thomas and before Chris and before my staff and embarrass myself sometimes, but I should, I should be better than that. God, I just pray that you'd help me to walk the talk. And that, God, there could be a realness about the walk that we have in Christ. Lord, there may be some here tonight that have attached to some of this and have related to some of this, and I hope in some way it may encourage us in Christ to bear up under the trouble, thanking God even for the trouble. And that if we're in a moment of, of peace at this moment and understanding that we're thankful for that too. Pray, God, that you'll be somebody here without Christ. They'd come to know you, whom to know is life everlasting, have all their sins forgiven. Oh, God, do a mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.